how great is Christmas? As um, Chris said, I love Christmas. My mum was the um, decorator for what used to be Grace Brothers, a Christmas decorator. So my house at Christmas had six Christmas trees and was just like, we had one in the bathroom. My father was a bit worried about that one. He's like, what happens if that falls in the bath? Oh, it doesn't matter. It looks gorgeous. Um, we had Christmas trees. So Christmas for me is this incredible time of celebration. But I had beautiful godly grandparents that kept it on the right path. Um, at Christmas time, we would have this beautiful table and in the center of the table was a cake and it was one of those really horrible, no, anyone like those fruit cakes? I don't like fruit cakes as a kid. Um, but what was on the fruit cake with the white icing, it said, happy birthday, Jesus. And every time we started Christmas meal, we would get together as a family and my grandmother and my grandfather would say, first priority, we sing him happy birthday. And we would sing him happy birthday. And that was just for me, just a setting the priority of who this day is all about. And it's about this incredible gift that I am going to share with you about today, this light of the world. Because he came into this world not to condemn it, but to be its light. He came into this world to not just judge the world, but to be the light of the world so that you can then be the light in your world. And I want to talk about that process. Now, when Pastor Hartley came to me about preaching on the gospel, it was really funny because he said, oh, Kate, do you want to come to Silverwater? I'm like, I'd love to come to Silverwater. And he said, oh, would you preach on the gospel? And I was thinking, oh my gosh, I've just spent three months journeying through what the gospel message is. Because I'm an introvert. I'm not a natural evangelist. I'm a Bible teacher that is happy with my books. <laughs> Pam knows that. I like being in my study. Anyone else like that? In your study, with your Bible, with your books, without humans. Uh, it's not good at Christmas time or for the gospel message. Um, but he came to me and said, would you, preach, would you preach on the gospel? And God's been speaking to me about the gospel message and about the fullness of the gospel message. Because I think sometimes our gospel messages are limited to just a salvation process. And that's not discrediting what Jesus did on the cross, but he rose again. Don't keep him on the cross. Does that make sense? When you preach the gospel message, you don't just preach that he died for our sins. You preach that he rose again because that is the power of the gospel that Romans and Paul talks about. It's not just about, oh, and we're going to go through. Now, I'm going to get a bit geeky today. Is that okay? I've got slides. Every teacher loves, anyone teaches in the room. I was going to write on a board, and then I'm like, my writing is so bad. You need the gift of tongues to write on my, the board. <laughs> Even my students are like, is that in tongues? I'm like, no, it's not in tongues. It's just my spelling and my writing. So I've done slides this morning. Do you want to jump in with me? Go into your Bible. If you've got your Bibles on your app or anything, we're going to go through some scriptures today. I'm going to take you through the message of the gospel because the message of the gospel is in three things, the fall, the cross, the resurrection. And three things are very important in this gospel message to know. I know sometimes we're a bit uncomfortable with talking about the fall, but if you don't know where you came from and what you're saved from, then the cross means nothing to you. So I'm going to remind you this morning about the fall and what actually happened to us in the fall. And it might make you a little bit uncomfortable, but that uncomfortableness will bring gratefulness in your heart when we get to the cross. Then when I'm going to talk about what happened on that cross and what happened when Jesus died as a sacrifice for our sin, but it didn't stop there because he didn't stay dead. How many are praising Jesus this morning that he didn't stay dead? He didn't stay in that grave. He then rose again so that we can live empowered to preach the gospel. Are you with me? Let's go. Okay, 
So the definition of the Gospel Bible teacher is going to give you a definition. I have to say I'm so honoured to be in front of my mentor, Pam Burrow. I'm a little nervous, I have to say. It's like having the teacher in your class. Um, <laughs> Pam Burrow is my mentor. I teach New Testament survey at um, C3 College. So if you are going to come and do New Testament survey, as I said last time I was here, it's every book of the Bible for the whole year. And we sit in that book. I'm an end times teacher and I'm studying my Masters of Theology. I am a sucker for punishment. Um, I love the Word of God. When I did my degree, I said, God, is that enough? And he said, no. And I'm like, oh, I think degrees, you know, go for your master's. So this week I'm learning Koine Greek to read it in the original text. Um, and I'm super excited because I love the Word of God. Okay, let's go. The definition of the gospel. If you're taking notes this morning, um, we're going to talk about the fullness of the gospel. Because John says this in, in um, John 8. When Jesus stands up at a festival, he says, I am the light of the world. And that's what Christmas is about, the light of the world coming into the world. He was born so that he can save us from our sin. But in Matthew 5, it says, you are the light of the world. Do you hear that? So he doesn't just say, I am the light of the world, take what I did in, and what I've done. He says, you are the light of the world, take what I've done, let it empower you, and then go and be a light in your community. So the fullness of the gospel. Number one, what does the gospel mean? So the gospel is, if I would say to you, I love interactive class, but I won't do it to your congregation because you're sitting there going, please don't ask me, and the introverts are about to run out the door. <laughs> in my class, I'm like, so class, what do you think? And they're like, the first couple of weeks. You know, then by the end, end of the class, they're like, no, Katie, that's wrong. And I love it. So interactive. But when you think about gospel, you think about good news. You think about the message of good news. You think about the message that Jesus has come to save you. When you think about the gospel, you may think about the four books of the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But when I was studying this, I was praying and I said, God, I need a fresh revelation of the gospel. And as he does, he got, sent me this photo by one of the students and this photo came on my phone and it said, Katie, I thought you might need this. And there was two pictures in the photo and it said, which gospel do you choose? The first picture was of a dinosaur and this dinosaur was the dinosaur from Toy Story. And it was cute and it was all packaged really nicely and it had no power. The second gospel that they presented was the dinosaurs from Jurassic Park. And he had this authority and power. And God spoke to me and said, Katie, you know what the good news is? The good news is that Jesus Christ came to save and set you free so that you would have a gospel of authority and power over everything that you face. So that when you talk to somebody and you say, someone says, you know, okay, in that moment where the Holy Spirit says, preach to them or, you know, say the gospel to them and you're like okay Jesus died and saved for my God so loved the world and you get a little bit nervous anyone else like that oh I lost my gospel message you know what you can say you can say he came to set you free from that when somebody says to you I've got sickness in my body I know someone who came to set you free from that when someone says to you I'm bound by sickness or depression I know someone who can set you free from that I know this morning that some of people in here when I was praying you've got things in your life that you were desperate to get set free from I'm going to show you that the gospel message is fulfilling and full enough for that to happen because I, I was born with um in into a family I absolutely adore my family but we are a super aggressive family <laughs> and I had this thing in me from very young of aggression and I know I look nice and sweet and all on the outside, but on the inside, I was a very aggressive child. I would bite people. Like, seriously, they couldn't take me anywhere because this cute little 
blonde little doll would bite people. But you know what? When I was 16, someone came to me and said, you need to come to church, not because I had an aggression issue. They didn't know about that. On the outside, I looked fine. But I didn't know how to get set free from my anger. The anger that burnt in me at night. The anger that was, I can't take this. I was going to punch something. Some of you this morning may look good on the outside, but the gospel message is that you don't have to remain in that anger or in that sin any longer. You can be completely set free. God said to me, Katie, I'm going to set you free from this. You don't have to count to 10 every time something goes wrong. You can be completely set free. That's the fullness of the gospel. Let's go. Now, the gospel presentation, open up your Bibles to Luke 4. The gospel presentation is this. In Luke, when you study the book of Luke, it is a systematic orderly account. And in Luke 4, in um, New Testament books, what happens is the key character gives his synopsis or his speech of what he's going to present and what his life is going to be. And Jesus chooses this verse as what his life is going to be, the gospel message. It says this in Luke 4, 18. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. That is the fullness of the gospel. He didn't just come to save you from your sin. He came to set the captives free, to recovery of sight for the blind and to declare over your life the year of the Lord's favour. Can you see the fullness that we're going to present to you today? Now, can I say prerequisite to this little seed time? First things first, this is for everybody. Nobody walks into this church and we go, no, you can't have the gospel. This gospel is for everyone. It says this, Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Everybody, there is no exemption. So if you grew up, I grew up in a, in a house, I didn't grow up in church. So when I walked into church, I didn't feel like I fit. I, I walked in, I, you know, I went to Sunday school with my grandparents once every blue moon. But when I walked into church, I was like, who are these people raising their hands, doing a little Holy Ghost jig over here? This is weird. Actually, my mother came with me and she walked out and she said, that's a cult, sweetheart. We'll never go back. <laughs> How funny is that? But you know what? I felt like there was something there. I felt like, oh, you know what? That was a little weird, but I fit. I needed that. And at 16, I said to mom, drop me off next Sunday. She said, are you kidding? I said, drop me off next Sunday. I'm going back. So I would just sit up the back hungry for God. So no one is exempt, no age. No, I got saved at five. So don't put boundaries around the gospel. We don't need to fix ourselves. If you are sitting here going, you know what, I'm going to fix myself before I put my hand up. That is like saying, I'm going to wait until I'm swimming before I ask a lifesaver to help me from drowning. If you are drowning, you put your hand up when you're drowning. You don't need to fix yourself. The lifesaver is there. Jesus Christ says this, and I love this. It says Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You don't get yourself right for Jesus. That's Like I said, I was praying over this, and he's like, when you're drowning, you just put your hand up and say, help, I need help. That's the gospel message this morning. So if you're here saying, you know what? No, I've got to be a better person. I've got to do this. That's the wrong way around. You become a better person because you ask the lifesaver to save you. You become a better person when you need when you ask for help. And I know in today's society, asking for help is a big thing. I remember someone said to me, I will never use Christianity because it's a crutch for those who can't do life on their own. And I said, you know what? I'm a sick person and I need a crutch right now. <laughs> I need that help. So don't let pride stop you from accepting this gospel. Let's go. I've got some screens. We're going to start this message. Um, 
it's good to know, and we're going to sit in now, what we have been saved from. Because I've, I've studied the Old Testament this year, and I look at the Old Testament, and I think the sin that they did in the Old Testament was they forgot where they came from. And you know what? They didn't just forget where they came from. They fantasized where they came from. Does that make sense? So in the Old Testament, the Israelites started fantasizing about Egypt, the place of bondage, the place of slavery. And they said, you know what? I want to go back to Egypt because that was good. And sometimes in the gospel, maybe you've been saved for 20 years, you forget what you were saved from. So you forget the, pri- the present that you have for other people. You can stand in front of people and you forget that you were once like them. And that makes me cry. Does that make, I'm a, I'm a crier at the best of times. But I think, God, please don't let me get like that. That I'm so comfortable in this gift. I don't remember where I came from. So I forget how hard it was back there. So let me just quickly remind you guys, we're going to jump into the screen. The fall under Adam, we all needed help. And this is what the fall actually happened. So the fall is in Genesis for those guys. Genesis, we had this perfect relationship with God. We had a beautiful walking with God. Imagine that, walking with God in the garden, just having a chat. No communication issues, no pride in between us, no sin, just God, walking with God in the garden. Anyone ready for that day where we get to go back to that, just walking with God and just having, what are we doing? Just having a chat to Jesus in the garden. And then the fall happened. And you know, in the fall, what happened? Mistrust was sown into our hearts. That's what happened in the fall. Satan said to Eve, did God really say that? And that mistrust of the word of God, that mistrust of God, and that, oh, I don't know if I'm going to trust him to be in control of my life, and the fall happened. And in the fall, this is what happened. Number one, we are separated from God. Isaiah 59.2, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Heartbreaking moment. We are under the power of death, and these will come up. Romans 6.23, for the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Now, I know some people read this and go, well, you know, the wages of sin of death. Has anyone been under that addiction where you know this is leading you in the wrong way? You know that this thing is going down a wrong path. At 16, I knew that my anger issue was going to lead me into a path that was going to be destructive. And, you know, like I said, from the outside, I looked like a sweet little girl, but from the inside, I was angry, really angry. And it was going to lead me to a path that led to death. We're all sinners. And this is in the the scriptures. I'm going to back these with scriptures if that's okay. We're going to go through a bit of scripture. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This morning we were all sinners. Not one of us. I was in a class at Alpha Cruces. Pam will know this. We get to listen in on class because I did my... um, degree on audio and I could hear the teacher debating that we were all sinners and this guy so embarrassing that this is like in time and now recorded he goes I'm not a sinner and I was like whoa okay he must be perfect because I'm pretty sure I've sinned about 50 times and it's only nine in the morning and you know he's like no I'm not a sinner and the teacher said two things to him there's no there's no rank in sin mate he said just because some sins are on the outside and some sins are in the heart doesn't mean there's any rank and order in sin and he said and actually the sin of pride of what you just said is sin and I was like oh thank you you imagine how embarrassing is that but you know what we're all sinners we've all stuffed up so if you're looking at other people around going they can't be as bad as me welcome to our world we are all sinners okay then we go here 
Now these things I'm not gonna go through. You're under flesh, you're under the curse of the law and you're condemned. How good do you feel about yourself today? This is all under Adam, under humanity. And like I said, I'm just reminding you of this so that you get to go to the next step. Who wants the next step? Who wants Jesus to turn up into this situation? Have you had that movie moment? I'm very vocal, have I said this? In the movies. Do not go to the movies with me. Even the other movie, I took three girls with me and I was like, oh my gosh, and I was praying for them. So at this point in the movie, it looks pretty bad, right? Yeah, I pray. My girlfriend actually would go, are you seriously just praying for this person? I'm like, I'm praying. What? She's like, it's a movie, it's already set. The movie looks pretty bad at this stage. And if we ended the movie at this stage, then we would be in dire straits. You know, you wouldn't watch it, actually. I wouldn't watch it because it would be too sad. But, Jesus, but even straight after this in Genesis 3, God has a plan. Even straight after the fall, he's like, all righty, let's go, bring on Jesus. Straight after in Genesis 3.15, he talks and declares Jesus will come and set us free. And now we have the cross. Jesus was born and we celebrate this at Christmas. So at this Christmas, celebrate the light of the world. This is what happened at the cross. One, it's initiated by God. You cannot earn this. You cannot do anything to earn this. I am very good at being diligent and disciplined. And sometimes I apply that diligent and discipline to my, to my church life because I feel like I'm earning it. But God says this, I initiated this. In your mess, I initiated this. It says in John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. There is nothing that you need to do for the gospel message other than just believe. And it's God initiated. He adores you. Can I say this morning as I was praying again, don't let the mistrust of the world come into your heart in relation to God. Oh, why is he giving me this for free? There must be a, something behind this. Oh, if this is a gift, then don't let that come in because that spirit is not how we are born. When we're born again, that spirit's got to go. There's no mistrust for God. We trust him wholeheartedly because he is good, loving, and kind. Secondly is this, the door is Jesus. Um, I'm going to jump to John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's only one door. My uncle is um, Ken Duncan, the photographer. I think I mentioned that before. Um, this is where I get my vocal. If anyone's seen Ken Duncan dress, he dresses like, you know, every time he turns up at Christmas, it's like the Christmas lights come on. He's such a vibrant personality, gospel message. But I have watched my uncle, even when I was young, try and find peace in any other religion but God. And I've watched my grandmother on her knees, praying over that man, <laughs> praying that he would find the truth. He went to Buddhism, and then he went to, to um, dream time in the Aborigine culture. And it was actually in the fact of that quest for any other door but Jesus, because he grew up in church, he knew the door was Jesus, in that quest, he put himself in a situation that he got so scared. He was in a dream time um, initiation process and the spiritual realm opened up to him. And I don't know if anyone knows the background of this. When the spiritual world opens up in dream time, it's quite uh, full on. And he got so scared, he cried out to Jesus. And he said, Jesus, you are the way, the truth and the life. I've been searching for peace. I've been searching to get set free. And I've done every, everything that I possibly can. But there's only one door. There is only one door. And the key is grace and faith. You cannot open this door with your works. 
You cannot open this door with saying, I'm a good person. You cannot open this door even by, oh, you know what, I'm going to be a best person serving in church. The only way you open this door is by grace and faith. It's a free gift to you. That's it. How easy is that? It's this beautiful sense that God has done everything he can to save you. All you need to do is accept. Okay, now Jesus, are you ready? Let's go. Now we get to see what Jesus did on the cross for us as a sacrifice, an atonement for our sin. This is what he gave us, and this is so good. He gave us right standing with God. So can you see where we were separated from God? We now have right standing with God. I say to my students this, don't ever take for granted that you can stand boldly in the presence of God because what Jesus did. I watch the Passion of the Christ movie every probably year or six months. Anyone seen the Passion of the Christ movie? Because I don't ever want to forget what he did. When I was watching it, I have to say I nearly vomited. I did find a, a, a um, garbage bin to vomit in. because You know when you're watching the Titanic movie and you're like, wait a second, I know this thing sinks. What am I watching? But when I was watching Jesus die on the cross, I got this fresh gratefulness for what he did. Why? Because I was separated from God and now I have right standing with God. Let's go through these. I had and was under the power of death, but he took the keys of sin and death. He went to hell and was like, no, no more. They're not going to die. They're going to have eternal life. We are worse sinners. Now we are declared dead to sin. This morning, can I say to you, and I'm going to get a little bit rowdy here. You are declared dead to sin because of what happened on the cross. I don't care what your flesh tells you. I don't care. There were times in my life when my flesh would rise up and that anger would come back and I would have to declare the word of God that said, I am dead to you. From what Christ has done on the cross, I am dead to this sin. I am dead to this bondage, to this addiction. I have been set free. Let me read this to you. It says um, in 1 Peter 2, 24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. If this morning there are things that you are struggling with, maybe it's in your relationship, maybe it's a sin, maybe it's something we've got um, a beautiful friend um, that we're walking through this, this um, issue. And you know what? Some, some sins are just in our hearts. Some sins are hidden. This morning you can be completely set free. You are dead to sin. Let's have a look. You have been, your flesh has been crucified. Anyone so glad we don't run by our flesh anymore? That, you know, that flesh is a slave master. We don't run by our flesh anymore. That's been crucified. The curse of the law has been fulfilled. Has anyone read the Old Testament and is so grateful that we don't have to do what it says in the Old Testament? I am not bringing Bessie to church, just heads up. I am not bringing Bessie to sacrifice, but Jesus Christ came so that there was once and for all. Can you imagine this morning? Okay, guys, let's get ready for church. Who's got the cow? Who, who's got the pigeon? Yeah, we're, can you imagine that? I, if you're not grateful for anything that I'm saying, be grateful that you didn't have to bring your herd to church this morning and sacrifice them here. You don't have to do that because Jesus was the once and for all sacrifice for our sin. So grateful. And lastly, we were condemned and now we are declared righteous. What does that word righteous mean? So some, sometimes we throw around Christian language that's a bit, does anyone feel that bit Christianese? Righteous means this, that when you walk into this place, God smiles over you. That you have right standing with him. He doesn't scorn at you. He doesn't go, oh, I saw you. He smiles over you. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, when you walk into church, he's proud of you. You have right standing before Father God. Okay, are you ready? Can I say this? 
I'm so proud for those of you who saved this morning that you didn't stay under Adam. And that's awesome, right? But can I say to you Christians this morning, don't stay just in the cross. Don't stay there. Don't know what you have without using what you have. It's like God giving you a credit card that's got unlimited funds on it and you going, oh, okay, I'll I'll just use $5. And And he's like, you've got unlimited power. It's like Thor walking up and doing some picking up and oh, Thor's got all the power. I can't, I can't think of anyone else because I don't watch Marvel movies, so Thor is the first thing that came to my head. <laughs> Imagine having that strength and power and not using it. We watch movies and we go, oh my gosh, that person is living their full potential. Iron Man, they're doing all, and we admire them. But you know what? There's potential in you that you haven't even tapped into. Do you know why? He didn't stay dead. He didn't stay there. He had done all that. And you know what? He could have. He could have been the sacrifice for atonement. He could have done all of that and finish. That was the sacrifice. No other sacrifice in the Old Testament rose from the dead. But above and beyond what we ask, think, or imagine, Jesus Christ knew that he had to rise from the dead so you would be empowered for the gospel message, that you would be the light. Let me show you what you've got now. Okay, can I read you? I'm gonna read you Romans 6. 6 to 14. Open up your Bibles and you can read it in the NIV if you want to. I'm going to read it in the Message Bible. It's kind of fun. This is this gap. Could it be any clearer? Our old way of life was nailed to the cross with Christ. A decisive end to that sin miserable life. Does anyone remember that sin miserable life? That life where there was hopelessness, that life where there was anxiety, that life where you didn't have a hope and then Jesus came. No longer it sins every beck and call. What we believe is this, if we get included in Christ's sin-conquering death, we also get included in his life-saving resurrection. We know that when Jesus was raised from the dead, it was a signal of the end of death as the end. Never again will death have the last word. When Jesus died, he took sin down with him, but alive, he brings God down to us. From now on, think of it this way. Sin speaks a dead language that means nothing to you. God speaks your mother tongue and you hang on every word. You are dead to sin and alive to God. That's what Jesus did. That means you must not give sin a vote in the way you conduct your lives. Don't give it the time of day. Don't even run little errands that are connected with that old way of life. Throw yourselves wholeheartedly and full time. Remember you've been raised from the dead into God's way of doing things. Sin can't tell you how to live. After all, you're not living under that old tyranny any longer. You're living in the freedom of God. How good is that? Don't stay, and we put that screen back up, don't stay under Adam, but don't stay also in the cross. Let me show you the next step is the resurrection because the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. So that when sin or sickness, I am Mark Kelsey's PA, um, and I send my love from him. He is battling a pretty big um, issue right now. Um, and I have watched those two stand against cancer in their family with such strength, knowing that that sickness does not keep them bound. They have declared health and healing over their lives and God is doing incredible things. So let me show you what the resurrection looks like in your life. Um, we are now ministers of reconciliation. There's a journey We were separated from God. We then were declared in the cross right standing with God. So you can do this. Don't stay in the church though. 
Paul says this. He says, don't just stay in your right standing with God. Tell other people that they've got right standing in Jesus. And he says, then become a minister of reconciliation. Be a light in your world. Tell people that they can come in and not have that sense of God's angry with me. Have that sense of God loves me. Okay, the next thing. We were under the power of death. He took the keys of sin and death. Now we have eternal life. How good is that going to be? Who is waiting for their eternal body? Me. Who is waiting for that body that never ages? Me. Who cannot wait to hang around for eternity in this beautiful place? Let me tell you, we were a sinner. We were dead to sin. Now we are alive in Christ. That is a victory that you need to declare over yourself. You were dead to sin. You are now alive in Christ. Flesh. We were under the power of flesh. We crucified. Jesus crucified the flesh, we are now empowered by the Spirit. What does that mean? That means that you have the freedom from sin, you have the freedom and you can speak in tongues. How good is tongues? I said to someone the other day, if I was going to talk in my normal language, some things that would come out of my mouth would not be very holy. So I speak in tongues. I remember when I went through a pretty bad time in my family, Um, my nephew had just died, I had depression and God said, don't speak, just speak in tongues. That was a really good point because what was going to come out of my mouth was pretty discouraging. What was going to come out of my mouth would, would not be healthy for me. And I just spoke in tongues because can I say to you, church, this morning, you are empowered by the Holy Spirit to live a full life. You are empowered by the Holy Spirit to overcome that sickness, to overcome that sin, to see freedom in your family. I know your heart is broken this morning. As I was praying and some of you were like, you know, I've prayed over my family. You just keep praying. You keep going in the Holy Spirit. You go again and go again because you are empowered. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. I can pretty much guarantee that no one's um, issue is as bad as death. Do you know, when my, um, my nephew died, my uncle said this to me. He said, Katie, I prayed and I don't think we need to raise him from the dead. And I have to say, the holiness went out of me because I was like, we're what? And he said, no, we're not gonna raise him from the dead. I'm like, good. Good call, because I don't know if at that point that I could pray and lay hands on that three and a half year old boy and raise him from the dead, but he had the faith to do it. Ken said, you know what? I've got a faith to raise this kid from the dead. And he said, but I asked God and God said, no, he needs to be in heaven. He's okay. I want that. Does anyone else want that faith that walks into a funeral and go, God, would you like to raise this one from the dead or would you like this one to stay in? Oh my gosh, that is the life that we are called to live. To look at death and go, no, Jesus has conquered that. To look at circumstances in our life and go, no, I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Can you feel the progression of power? Let me jump to the end one. Condemned, declared righteous to be instruments of righteousness. Can you feel this journey that I've in the gospel, the fullness of the gospel? You were once here under Adam and Jesus did all of this for you. So when you sing those beautiful Christmas carols of the coming of a king and the coming of a saviour, you can say, I'm so glad that he came. I weep at everything, but I weep at Christmas carols because I'm so glad that he came. I'm so glad that I didn't have to stay in this column. Anyone else glad you didn't have to stay in this column? I'm so glad that I got to be in this column. But you know what? Don't stay in this column. You are empowered to live a full life, to be a light to your community. That's the fullness of the gospel message. When God looks down on us, he doesn't just say, you know, I sent my son to save them from sin. He looked down on you and said, you know what? I'm going to send them, my son to save them from sin, but to live a full life and life abundantly. That's the call 